be saved. We appreciate so much you coming, taking advantage of every opportunity that you have to worship the God of heaven. You have your Bible with you tonight. We're going to read some passages in just a moment concerning marriage. We mentioned this morning some things about marriage as it was found in the second chapter of the book of Genesis and a few of the principles that are involved in it there. Next Sunday morning, the Lord willing, we're going to discuss the subject, the ideal father, or you might call it a new father. Next Sunday evening, we'll begin a series on taking time for marriage. I think one of the crucial things in our time is for us to take time for the things that we know. Now, we'll not tell you anything new, I don't suppose, in this whole series, but I hope to remind each of us of some things that we do already know to help us to live better in our relationship one with another. For indeed, marriage is a place of relationship, and it's a place that we come in closer contact than any other place in our life. And in view of that, it behooves us that we live the right kind of life. As we mentioned this morning, I want to discuss this evening the subject of the decision to marry. Most of us, or many of us in this audience, have already made that decision. The only thing that we need to think about concerning the decision to marry is the fact that since we've made that decision, no matter what our lot might be, whether our marriages are happy, as I hope they are, or if our marriages are semi-happy, happy in some respects, unhappy in others, or even if our marriages are unhappy, we need to do what we can to make the best of our situation. For one who's in an unhappy marriage situation, if you'll take the principles that are contained in the Bible about Christianity, apply those to your life through the principles that are there, you'll make the best of that situation. Let me illustrate that. For one, to take the principles that are contained in the Sermon on the Mount, even though your mate might not even be a Christian, is that that will have influence on his life or her life. For instance, if you take, as is paraphrased, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, then they can't help but live in a better kind of relationship you, even though they might not be a Christian. If you'll take the principles contained in the Beatitudes, no matter what your lot is in life, it'll be out of those principles that you'll find contentment in your life. And through living before others, the good Christian example that we ought to live in 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter suggests that it's by this chaste behavior coupled with fear that a wife might win a husband who is not a Christian. And so we've already made the decision to marry. There's no going back on that decision, but we need to do the best that we can to take the principles that were involved or should have been involved in making that kind of decision to make our lives as happy as they might be. And out of that can grow Christian homes. Let me suggest to you tonight, in the first place, that the decision to marry is the most
ever make other than becoming a child of God. It is a crucial decision. The most important decision that man ever makes is whether or not to obey God. And we find ourselves as it was in the days of Joshua. Joshua told the children of Israel, Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we shall serve Jehovah. In the fourth division of the book of Joel in verse 16, Joel says, Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. It's important that we make the right decision, decide once and for all for our life, that we'll serve Jehovah. Out of that will come the fact that when problems arise in life, there's only one place to turn for the solution to those problems. We will not have to wonder about what we'll do. But when we find out what God would have us do through our study of his word, then that will once and for all settle the problem in our life. The decision to marry is crucial for a number of reasons. The decision to marry is crucial, number one, because marriage should be a lifelong relationship, one that is not to be put asunder by man. Matthew chapter 19, we read this morning that life was for life, or marriage was for life. In the seventh chapter of the book of Romans, beginning with verse 2, the apostle Paul suggests the exact same principle when he says, for the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to the husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. And if while her husband liveth, she be married to another, she should be called an adultery. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no longer married to, or no longer an adultery, but she might be married unto another. The principle is that marriage is a lie long relationship. Since marriage is a lifelong relationship, one which is not to be put asunder by man except for the cause of fornication, and I might add that's God's law, that's God's divine principle, and it behooves us as the children of God to follow that. And when someone has divorced for the cause of fornication, there's no need for them to look down on themselves and think that I have failed if they've done what they should. And the children of God need to accept that just as if the man had died. Now, we need to get that straight in the Lord's church. I believe it's just as wrong for us in the Lord's church to drive people away to cause people to feel guilty when they've done what they could, when their husband or their wife committed adultery, and because of that they got a divorce, as it would be if we thought that it was right for one to divorce for any cause. The Lord listed that one exception. That's not made by man, but it's made by the Lord Jesus himself. If Jesus felt like that that was just cause, for a man to put away his wife, or a wife to put away her husband, it behooves us to accept that. So we need not to feel guilty if that's been the case. But the point is that marriage is a lifelong relationship, one not to be put asunder, except for the cause of fornication. Since marriage is a lifelong relationship, this is a crucial decision. 
decision that I make. You know, I might choose to take a job. After taking that job, working for a couple of months, decide that that's a job that's not suited for me. I might even choose an occupation. Go to college for four years or eight years or two years or go to high school. Have the credentials that would be sold for that occupation. Try it, not like it, and say, boss, I quit. And there'd be nothing in this world wrong with in other words, I'm singing an occupation. It'd be fine for me to make the wrong choice. Because, you see, my occupation is not a lifelong relationship. That's a decision that you must make, young people. What am I going to do through my life? I've known young people who have gone through high school, through four years of college, studied to do something, maybe even six years of college or eight years of college, decided that's not what I want to be. I don't I don't think I'll like that and change and do something else. And there was nothing whatsoever wrong with it. But when we make the decision to marry, since marriage is a lifelong relationship, that decision is for life. There's no other decision that you'll make in this life. Other than I than the one I mentioned to begin with as to whether or not I'll serve the Lord that is more crucial than the decision to make. That's a decision that affects one's eternity. This decision affects one's long-life relationship. All other decisions in life are those that can be changed. Now you think about it. It's a crucial decision. Secondly, it's a crucial decision because it will affect the offspring that are brought to that union. When children come along, it is important that we want the right kind of mother born. It's important, girls, that you want the right kind of father for your children. When you choose whom you'll marry, if children do come, they will be affected by that choice, and their lives will be what you have chosen. If you see a young man who does not like children and you want children, which is your choice, you want children, the young man does not like children, you better not marry. Because time's going to pass and your desire for children will be that. And unless it can be worked out that he will not only agree to have a child, but agree within his own heart that I'm going to be the kind of father that I ought to be and be a responsible person about raising this child, a responsible father, the marriage will be in for trouble all itself. If you see a young lady and you find that that young lady does not get along well around children, then you better think twice before you ever agree to say I do. You see, these are things that we must work out before marriage. Because the father or my husband will be the father of my children. My wife will be the mother of my children. And their life will guide the lives of my children. Not only that, it goes further than that. This decision is crucial because that life will influence those in future generations. In recognition of this, this was why the servant in Genesis 24 
chose the kind of woman that he did, one that would go and then some, one that would go still further, one that would water not only him or give him water to drink, draw water for him, but draw water for the camels also. He recognized that this is something that affects future generations. We need to see the crucial decision that's going to be made when we decide to marry. Not only that, the decision to marry is crucial because, as I mentioned this morning, it affects extended families. It affects all of our extended families. You know, I've heard young ladies say and young men say, particularly a young man that I can call, well, it won't matter whether they like me or not because she loves me. Friend, he may say that, and a few years down the line, it will matter. You see, it's a matter of this. Here's a young lady, and here she is in the middle. Here's a mother-in-law and a father-in-law of a heel. Here's a husband of a They're both pulling, 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 pulling. There's no way she can have a healthy relationship. Yes, it may be. That she loves you so much that she's going to go with you. There'll always be a pull of home and there'll always be something there where she feels like that you're cheating me. This is a crucial decision because this decision is that that affects extended family. It affects all of the family. And no matter what anybody tells you, do marry the family. Now these problems can be overcome, but I'll not tell you nor let anyone tell you that they'll not make a difference in your life and that these are things that can be overlooked and forgotten about. Those will be things that will haunt you from the very day that you say I do. You see, this is a crucial decision that we make. Remembering that this is a lifelong relationship and that this relationship is one that will affect not only me, this relationship will affect us. Secondly, not only is it a crucial relationship, it is a relationship of choice. You choose whom you will marry. We don't live in a society like they lived in in Bible times. The parents made the choice for them whom they were going to marry. That's what's in mind in 1 Corinthians 7 when the Apostle Paul talks about father and their virgin daughter and the choice that they made, whether or not the virgin daughter was to marry. But you and I today have the power of choice and we choose whom we will marry. That choice is not made for us. Let no one make the choice for you. Do not let others pressure you and influence you in the marriage. Sometimes the choice is made because of the fact that there are friends who are getting married. And here's a young lady and she feels left out. All my friends have gotten married. I'm going to be an old maid. Don't let them pressure you into rushing into anything because you might regret the decision that you make all your life. It's a choice that we alone ought to make. We ought to marry. This does not mean that we would not want to ask advice of others, but this means 
blacks. Now let me speak to those of us who are married. You ever thought about that out of all the men in this world that your wife chose you? Out of all the women that were in this world, your husband chose you. Do you really appreciate them by You see, we made that choice. Wives, we chose you because you were the one we wanted. No other. Husband, she chose you because you were the man that she wanted and no other. Out of that, there ought to be a crucial responsibility this hour as husbands and wives. To recognize the fact out of all those who were available, who had the right to marry, this woman or this man chose me to be her husband, her wife, or his wife, a companion for life. That also in itself calls us to want to love and appreciate them more. To simply think about against all the men that were there, I was chosen. Against all the women that were there, I was chosen. Thirdly, this is a decision that should be carefully read. You know, sometimes we're prone to rush into things. It's easier in the state of Georgia as it is as far as I know in every other state in this union to get a marriage license than to get a driver's license. Now that may sound strange. Do you know that when all, that all you've got to do to get a marriage license if you're of age is go up to the courthouse, take a blood test, and get the license and nobody, as far as I know, will ever check to see if you've even been married before. If you're going to get a driver's license, let me say you go up to the courthouse and say, I want a driver's license. They'll say, you crazy, man. Do you know how to drive? Maybe we ought to ask, do you know what it is to be a husband? Maybe we ought to require that we take a test to be a husband or a test to be a wife. What I'm saying is that we need to take care and be careful in the decision that we make. This decision should be one that is thought about. I've seen people who spend more time in selecting a car, a house, or a dress than they do a husband or wife. You couldn't get my wife to go out here to the mall and buy a dress looking at it the first time if you wanted to. There ain't no way. And I suggest what I've seen because several of us one night recently set out in the for you at the mall, husbands, we sat there and talked while our wives looked at dresses. And they didn't buy very many of them. But that same careful attention that's given sometimes is not given to the selection of the money. The careful attention that we men would give into buying a fishing rod or a gun is not given when it comes time to select Too many rush into it. We need to give careful attention to see what we get. 
to see what kind of merchandise is going to be ours for life. You buy a house and you don't like it? Why, you sell that thing, won't you? I just heard recently of a man who's a preacher friend of mine bought a Volkswagen. He'd been driving a Buick, and this was back in the early 60s, and Volkswagens didn't have very much power. They left the Volkswagen place in Birmingham and started over to Walker County where he was preaching at the time. They come off that long hill at Birmingham. They start up some of those mountains going in Walker County and that thing began to slow down and he couldn't stand. He turned it around, carried it back and traded it back before he got home. You can't do that with a wife. You better choose carefully the kind of girl that you're going to marry because this is a lifelong relationship. Care should be taken in this election box. And out of that, the selection should be made calmly. You know, sometimes we get so in love. Our hearts are pitter-pattering and we go all to pieces and there's no way we can make a calm, careful decision. And we make it urgently. And because we make it without forethought, we're not calm and we, we couldn't even why we're getting married. We can't even decide what kind of dress we're going to wear to the sun. What kind of suit we're going to wear. How are we going to decide which one we're going to wear? The point is that we need to be calm in the decision to marry. And out of this calmness means that we need to take the time to decide and to look carefully at the things that we do. I don't mean by that that you sit down like you'd make a business deal, list all the assets on one side and the liabilities on the other. I don't know whether that might be a good idea. But I'm saying we need to take the time, not be hasty in making the decision about whom we're going to marry. But in calmness, make that decision. Then again, the decision to marry is a decision that calls for change. Not only does it just call for change, it calls for a brook change. Here's a fellow who's been put loose and fancy free. He's gone in his own way. He's come in when he wanted to. He's done just about what he wanted. All of a sudden, he wakes up one morning. You're a hurt. Here's a woman who has had just about what she wanted in life. Mothers come along and picked up the clothes. Mothers cook the meal. And one morning, you're a wife. Yeah, there's some changes that are being made. You know, one day she was a little girl. The next day, she was a full-blown wife. One day, she could look to Mama. See, she didn't feel good to cook dinner. The next day, she was a wife. One day, he ran short on money. He said, Dad, I'm tired this week. How about giving me an extra five on my line? The next day, the car payment was due, and he'd lost his job, but he was a hood. Yes, there's some changes in marriage. There's a relationship that has climax. 
We're no longer in the same home that we were in. Wherefore, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Out of that, there are new responsibilities that are here. Three times in the Bible those words are used. They mean what they say, and they say what they mean. These words say that no longer is he responsible to mom and daddy like he was. Now that does not mean that he does not ask them for advice or that he does not take their account. But it means he is in a new home, a new relationship, and he's changed from the way that he was. No longer is he a little girl. Now he's a wife, one day to be a mother. We need to understand that there have been changes made. You can't go back now. You know, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could go back to our childhood? No responsibility. Think of how wonderful it was. We as children could look to mom and daddy for guidance, for sustenance, for life. Now, the responsibility is out. A new home has formed. Young men, let me show you how vital this responsibility is. It says, Wherefore shall a man, or a man leave his father and mother and take him to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Here's a girl that has left her father. Do you know what the word father means in the original language? It means patriarch, provider, cherisher, nourisher. Here is one who could look to daddy and there were the things that were needed in life. Here you are. He's been working 40 years. You're starting now. Now she looks to you. There is a responsibility. Yes, there are changes that are taking place. The one who one day could look to his family now is the head of a household. Things have changed. We need to accept that responsibility. You see, this is why this is a decision not for the immature. Because those who are mature can accept the responsibility of the decision that I've made to become a husband or a wife. Yes, the clock goes off. Mama, I don't want to get up and eat breakfast. No, Mama, I don't want to get up and eat breakfast. Honey, you got to get up and he fix his breakfast. He's got to be at work at five. You're his wife. There are some changes that have taken place. There's a change relationship. This decision is one that calls for change. It's one that calls for maturity. It's one that calls for responsibility. Marriage is not for the immature. Marriage is not for children. Marriage is for those who are adults. In the fifth place, or the sixth place, this is a decision that calls for concession. Obsession. I use the word session because it's a C word and it means surrender. This is the decision that calls for you to surrender your will, to make some concessions. You see, 
There are some things that you really didn't know about that girl when you married her. There are some things you didn't know about that hook. You thought you did. Well, we've been going together for three months. We know everything there is to know about one another. No, you don't. We've been going together for two years. No, you don't. You just thought you did. Did you know that when she gets up in the morning that her clothes are laying where they were when she went to bed at night? Did you know that he never would carry out the garbage for his mother? Did you think he's going to carry it out for you? you got another thing coming. There was one woman solved that problem, though. She took the garbage, laid it right in front of his chair. When the can ran over, she began to throw it on the seat. He ran. We need to understand that there are some concessions that we'll have to make. Marriage is for those who will give in to one another. You find one in marriage who's bullheaded and sits there like a bullfrog and sucks up and says, I ain't giving it. You're bound for trouble. I've heard preachers say in years past marriage is a give and take situation. I don't believe that. Marriage is a give situation. Marriage is something where you make concessions. You make concessions to one another. You surrender to one another. Marriage is a situation where we must compromise when it's not matters of money. When it's unimportant. The decision we make is a decision that we'll compromise to one another. Now let's go back. Here we are dating. He says, I want to go to this show. I'm going. You'll either go or you'll get out. Sister, when time comes and you said I do, it won't be no show. It'll be an important decision. And he'll sit there and fuck and say, we're going to do so-and-so or else. He gave you a hint of the kind of personality that he had back when you were dating, but you did not expect it. You thought we're so in love, and he'll come. He won't concede now. He'll never concede then. These are some things, young people, you need to think about. What about that boy, that girl that you're dating? Will they compromise on things that it does not really matter? Or do they have to have their own way go in their own direction? Marriage is a decision that we're going to cherish one another in such respect that we don't mind compromising for one another's sake. For you see, the husband is interested in the happiness of the wife. The wife is interested in the happiness of the husband. His whole life is set to make her happy. Why? Because he loves her as he does his own flesh, Ephesians chapter 5. Her whole life is set to make him happy, to make him feel like he's the most important man on this earth. You better make him feel that way, because if you don't, he'll always be unhappy. 
you say we men have an ego that's about the size of this building, somebody's got to build it up. And if she doesn't, we'll find somebody who will. When they do understand that marriage is a giving situation, we make concessions to one another, we compromise with one another. Why? Because we cherish one another and we love one another from the true Bible text of the Word. We need to see marriage as a decision that it is. Finally, marriage is a decision that we make confidently and which we completely surrender. We can't hold back. The two become one. The two become one in all aspects of life. There is a complete surrender of our wills together and we become one flesh. It is the closest union that there is on this earth. We become one all of our lives. Why? We have confidence in one another. We trust one another. We cherish one another. And out of that grows the kind of marriage that we ought to have. Can you not see why this is a decision? That is a decision that is crucial in our life. Here's a lifelong decision that we this decision is crucial, and it's so crucial that it's a decision that is one that shall never, never, never be separated from those It's one that cannot be counted. You hear this evening, and not a child is gone. Jesus went to the cross that you might have remission of your sins. He loved you that much. Why not allow that to draw you to obedience? We of those who are in marriages tonight need to live in such a way to have the happiest marriage that there ever could be on this earth. God's children walking hand in hand, trying to bring one another, one another down the road that leads to eternal life. Build one another up. Help one another as we falter along the pathway of life to present one another along with our families to God on the day of judgment. In closing tonight, I want to read a passage from the book of John. John writes concerning the kind of lives that we also have. John says in the book of Third John, Beloved, I wish above all things that I may prosper and be in health even as thy soul prosper. And I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of truth in thee, even as thou walkest in truth. I have no greater joy than to hear my children walk in truth. Beloved, I do as faithfully whatsoever thou doest unto strength, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, bringing on thy journey after godly home, that thou doest what? You and I need to recognize our religion. As godly fathers and mothers, as godly husbands and godly wives. You're here tonight in such an invitation of our Lord. Won't you come as together with them in form?